Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash Podcast! What is going on, guys? You are tuned into the newest episode of the Fistful of Cash Podcast. We are back after Christmas break. Feeling rejuvenated, feeling refreshed, feeling blessed, feeling all kinds of Christmas spirit, even though the Christmas uh, holiday itself has passed us by in here with the co-hosts of all, all co-hosts. Soup, what is going on, man? Jingle, jingle. Uh, in the words of the boat, Blake Bortles, I'm back, boys. Let's get it. Uh, <laughs> he actually said that to the guys in the huddle when they put him back in the game for Cody Kessler this past week. Uh, that was the first thing he said to his huddle. And he's starting this weekend. So Blake Bortles off the hot seat, got his job back until, uh, you know, May when they draft. Um, before we get into picks, I just want to touch on something real quick. I've been a big Justin Herbert fan all year. And he's coming back for his senior season. He announced it. Uh, number one quarterback recruit or prospect, I, I should say. Um, he was looking at like a, you know, a top 10 pick and he's opting out of coming to the draft this year where he's the number one to going into the draft next year with guys like from and Tua. uh, it's experts air quotes, uh, claim that next year's QB draft class is going to be one of the best in a while. I don't know if I really believe that because I don't know how big of a believer I am in Fromm or Tua at the next level. But, uh, yeah, so Justin Herbert, not going to be a New York football giant. So I was wrong. And Well, not this year. Well, I, I fully expect the Giants to go quarterback. So unless unless they pick a, a guy that can, is absolutely just god-awful this year, I mean, I, I highly doubt he'll be drafted by them again next year. That's true. So. But, yeah, so Herbert's going back. Um, maybe he thinks Heisman. Maybe he thinks Oregon can compete for a national championship. Maybe, just maybe, he's got a little bit of brains, and he thinks or he realizes that there's uh, more than football in one injury. You know, he might need that degree. I don't know. Maybe he's using awesome. his head. I don't know. So It's weird. But, yeah, I'm it's back. Weird. So <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Well, uh, we have a massive weekend ahead of us here. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to uh, dilly dally or pitter patter. Um, so I do just want to get after it. But a couple takeaways um, from this last week, uh, especially NFL wise, what a what a weird weekend, man. Um, the playoff situation is just an absolute cluster. Uh, It's very similar to whenever you put your headphones in in your pocket and then try to take them back out. You you feel like you know what it looks like going into it and you can't believe the way it looks coming out of it. Uh, I mean, what's your, what are you thinking, you know, going into this, this last week here? Uh, 
I will say week 16, um, as a Patriots fan, the it was like the best case scenario, man. Obviously, New England beat Buffalo. Uh, never in the year of 2018 would I say thank you, Nick Foles. But St. Nick delivered. Um, he led the comeback after getting absolutely murdered on a sack uh, to beat the Texans, which then jumped New England into the two seed. Now they just got to handle the Jets at home. And the Pittsburgh Squealers, uh, Mike Tomlin, pulled a Mike Tomlin, fourth and five at the 50 with the lead. You, you know, just punt the ball and try and play a little bit of defense. No, we're going to run a fake punt to our fullback. Uh, so it was, man, was it weird? Uh, the Packers Jets game was incredible. My goodness, was that an absolute great game? Um, yeah, uh, Seattle beating the Chiefs. Seattle's man, they're red hot. Uh, the Raiders beating the Broncos. I know we talked about it, but what a scene afterwards. Uh, Derek Carr leads them to a win, which could you know could likely be the last game in Oakland and he instantly went straight to the to the edge of the field and walked the entire perimeter of the field shaking hands and giving hugs and taking pictures with Oakland fans uh that was awesome to see but the big game this weekend um is the Sunday night game it's the Colts and Titans winner gets in um you know, the Steelers and the, the Ravens, Ravens control their own destiny. They beat the Browns, they get in. Um, the Steelers need the Browns to win, which is hilarious to me that Pittsburgh's relying on Cleveland. And Pittsburgh has to beat Cincinnati, which they should with Jeff Driscoll. Um, Vikings winning in. Philly can get in, I think, if the Vikings lose. I think that's how that's set up. Philly wins and the Vikings lose, they get in. Um, New England still has a chance at the one seed. A long shot, but if the Chargers and the Chiefs both take a loss, uh, I think New England would jump up to the one seed. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot on the line this weekend. Like only one game, like I said, that's really, you know, both teams, whoever wins gets in. But there's the Bears are fighting for the two seed. If the Rams lose, there's a lot on the line. The only The only team that's locked is the Saints with the one seed. That's the only team who can't move in the playoffs. All right. Well, I mean, you, you started it off with the very first game you mentioned, so we do want to just go ahead and get going with NFL picks here. That uh, that Colts-Titans game, what do you like about that? I like the Colts on the road, uh, minus three. There's a lot of books that don't even have a spread on this game right now because Mariota is still in question whether or not he's going to play. Uh, we've done this before, hobbled up Mariota, healthy Blaine Gabbert, doesn't matter. I like the Colts to cover the three points in this game. Andrew Luck's been nothing short of incredible this year. Um, and I, I expect him to have, you know, to t- cap off his amazing comeback year and take the Colts to the playoffs, which nobody thought they'd be there. Like, I think Vegas had their over under at six and a half to start the year. Yeah. Um, if they, you know, they win this game, they're going to be ten and six, and they're going to be in the playoffs. And right now, I mean, they've got. I mean, they've always had the passing game. Marlon Max running well. They've got, I think, the seventh best run defense in the league. Their defense as a whole was playing well, including their secondary. 
Um, the Colts could be a surprise six. I mean, the Colts, who would they play in? The, they'd play the Texans. It'd be the six three matchup. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if Houston wants to see the Colts. I really don't. I, I sure wouldn't. You know what I mean? I, six seeds scare me, man. Especially a team like that who has, you know, a top quarterback like Andrew Luck who can throw for four fifty on you any given day. So, yeah, the, I, I think the Colts win this game. I think they get in, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the uh, in the divisional round. Yeah, I think this is definitely the. I definitely think that this is one of the more compelling matchups that's going to take place this weekend. And I'm, I'm with you. I like the Colts uh, in this game a lot. I know that in recent weeks we've been showing a lot of love to Indy, but it's, it's justified in uh, Andrew Luck's having a fantastic year. They're playing, they're, they're playing great football right when they need to. And like you said, Tennessee with a, with a banged up Mariota or no Mariota at all. I, I, if, if he doesn't play at all, I think this game gets out of hand in a hurry. Um, but if he's able to play, you know, they might be able to keep it close for a little bit, but even then you, you got to wonder how much, uh, how much time are they going to let him see? Even if they, even if he is playing and he's feeling okay, knowing that if they win, they, they're going to have to turn around and come right back next week. And is he going to be ready to go for that? You know, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what I don't know what strategy if you're Tennessee you try to employ here. Do you push him to to come back and try to win the game and risk hurting him more? You know, I mean, how do you how do you approach a game like this where you have a guy that's on the cusp of playing or not playing, but you know, in playing him is your best chance to win, but also your best chance that he won't be there next week in the event that you do win. So what do you do? I mean, it's a rock and a hard place for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to. If he thinks he can go and you think he gives you the best chance at winning banged up over a healthy Gabbert, you have to go Mariota because if he gives you the best chance to win, you got to win this game in order to play next weekend. So you would, you know, you win this game first and then address next weekend later. Um, but like, yeah, I just, like I said, the Colts de- rush defense is really good. Um, Derrick Henry pulling the same thing he pulled last year the last five games of the season looking like, you know, the monster everybody thought he was going to be. Um, I think the Colts rush defense will be able to contain Derrick Henry and it's going to put a lot of pressure on Mariota. He's going to have to make plays with his legs. He's going to have to be accurate and it's going to come down to a QB duel probably. And I don't know. I don't know a quarterback outside like Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees that I'm taking in a QB duel over, uh over Andrew Luck right now yeah uh, it's it's going to be interesting for sure uh I mean obviously because we're making a play on it but definitely something I'm going to be paying attention to so college football wise um we're in it now man um this is what well we didn't work for it but this is what we've been gearing ourselves towards all season and here we are now um got a couple games that we do want to go over as always guys there's going to be stuff available on Patreon um, you know, if, if you don't know, if you don't know what Patreon is, cause this is another thing that I've realized too. A lot of people don't know what the hell Patreon is. So Patreon's a platform that people that create content, podcasters, YouTube, what, whatever it is that you create, even if you're a musician, it's a website that you can go to and, uh, you know, help support people creating content that you, 
enjoy or partake in. So we have a Patreon page set up. If you just, you know, search, if you go to patreon.com and forward slash fistful of cash, or just go there and search fistful of cash, we show up there and we do have a, uh, a membership tier available. And, you know, we've said it before, we do offer additional picks there every single weekend, you know, the games that you hear on the podcast are the free picks for sure, but there's also uh, other picks that you get in being a member there as well. So if if you didn't know what it was and now you do and you want to go there, please do. Uh, if you do know and just haven't yet, I'd ask you to consider it. And uh, if you do know and you still don't want to, that's fine too. Just keep uh, enjoying the free stuff and supporting the podcast. That's That's really, that helps out a lot too. Um, but there are going to be more games, both NFL and college bowl wise. So if you don't hear your game that you're interested in, uh, on the show, by all means, please go to Patreon. There's a great chance or hit us up on social media. We'll be able to, you know, answer questions and stuff on there, but okay. Anyway, enough housekeeping stuff. The camping world bowl at the camping world stadium in Orlando, Florida. We got Syracuse taking on West Virginia, who was our preseason lock to win the big 12, but that did not shake out. So. Uh, we get a consolation prize here in the Camping World Bowl, taking on uh, West Virginia, taking on Syracuse. The point spread right now, Supes, sitting at two and a half points, uh, with Syracuse being the favorite. Uh, money lines minus one thirty, over unders at sixty six. What do you like? I like I like Syracuse to cover the two and a half. Um, I touched on this when the f- bowl spreads first came out. I touched on this and I said I like Syracuse plus seven because I didn't expect Will Greer to play in this game. Um, he's, you know, one of the top four quarterback, um, prospects going into the draft. Uh, I don't know if he'll play in the senior bowl. I think he will just to showcase one last time for, for scouts. And I think he's going to, I mean, he is taking this game off. He is not playing in this bowl game. David Sills is up in the air, whether or not he's going to play in this game. And as far as Syracuse goes, Eric Dungy's playing. So I'm going to take the orange. I think this game had the potential to be one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting, um, non-playoff bowl game if Greer would have played. But now, I mean, West Virginia's uh, quarterback is a huge question mark. I don't know if Jack Ellison's going to be able to keep up with Syracuse in their extremely fast, high-powered offense. Um, I could see Syracuse winning this game. <sighs> I. Syracuse could score anywhere between 30 and 45 points in this game. Um, If I had to side with one side of the over-under, I would just take the over because I know West Virginia's defense sucks. Um, I'm sure Ellison probably fits their scheme well on offense, and Syracuse is going to put up the points. So if I had to side with the over-under, I'd probably go the over, but I like Syracuse to cover the two and a half more than anything. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, like I said, West Virginia and Syracuse have both gotten a lot of play from us and a lot of love uh, this year. So, another team that we've we've given our our fair bit of uh, time and attention to is Ohio State, and uh, you got Ohio State, Washington, and Ohio State right now six and a half point favorites. Minus two sixty on the money line, over unders at fifty seven and a half against Washington. What do you like uh, with that game? I'm going to ride with another favorite. Um, 
and it seems to be a trend in bowl games this year. The favorites are covering the spread a lot outside of today um, where I actually took Duke plus the three and a half. And I also took Wisconsin plus three and they both ended up winning the games outright. But as far as bowl games as a whole, favorites have been covering. This is going to be one of the most emotionally driven performances we've seen in a long time. This is Urban Meyer's last game. Um, he's stepping down. He's not healthy. He he can't coach anymore. Um, the, the, the team's going to get behind him just like they did at the beginning of the season um, with him suspended. Haskins is now the top quarterback prospect. He can't play in the senior bowl. Uh, so this is his last chance to, you know, to put on a show for everybody and prove that he should be taken in the top five. Um, I know Washington has shown spurts where they look good, but Jake Browning has been one of the biggest disappointments in college this year. He was coming in supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks and he's looked nothing but pedestrian. So I'm going to, I think Ohio state, boy, if they get up, if they get up like 14, I don't know if Washington's going to be able to battle back. I think Ohio State might route them like bad. Um, these guys are going to be fired up. They're playing for their coach. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be one to watch. Uh, it'll be interesting at the end of the game to see how Urban Meyer reacts. Uh, it's this this one. This will be the game that I'm. This is the game I'm most forward or looking forward to watching outside of the playoff games for the sole fact that, you know, this is Haskins' last game. This is Urban Meyer's last game. I'd like to see what the Buckeyes can do here. I'm with you. There is something about that whole playing for coach thing that really rallies a team together and has them put on uh, absolute performances. It, any word on, you know, how much playing time Haskins is going to be looking to see? I mean, is, is he I, is he coming I, out for the draft, or what's the deal with that? Yeah. I mean, now that – now that uh Herbert's not coming out. Haskins, I I fully expect him to come out for the draft. Especially if Urban Meyer was staying, I think Haskins might stay. But with him with him going, I think I think Haskins goes, and now he's number one man. Um, if he right, if so cool, do you mess with that number one pick in yeah. in play? Wow. Well, he's still battling with guys like Daniel Jones from Duke. Um, who put on a hell of a performance today? They yeah, absolutely, up. yeah. Daniel Jones looked fantastic. Um, I think Haskins plays. He's seems like a prideful guy. I mean, like I said, even in that Purdue routing, he you know put his all even when they That's were getting true. murdered. So I, I think he'll play the whole game. Uh, and if he does come out, it's only because Ohio State's up a shit ton of points. He's not going to come out with Ohio State up 14 in the fourth quarter. Okay. I can see that. All right. Um, well, you talked about them, so let's let's go over the playoff games uh, because, I mean, obviously those are the, the, the two biggest storylines this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma, Alabama. Alabama's a 14-point a favorite, minus – Six ten on the money line over unders at seventy seven points. That's a ton of points. Um, we're both sort of in agreement in this that as far as matchups go, this is probably the less competitive of the matchups. Um, Alabama should cover that fourteen points, and this just based off the fact that Oklahoma doesn't seem to be able to stop anybody, and it appears to be a uh, 
a variable close range shooting gallery for Alabama. I mean, what do you what do you think with that game? Yeah, I I really think the spread is spot on here, and I think the over unders right on the money as well. Um, it's tough to pick either side of these bets. I think Alabama will prop probably win this game something like you know 48 to 34 um maybe you know 45 31 something like that i think it's gonna i i alabama should cover the 14 but it's really hard for me to pick it kyler murray as a 14 point underdog i i want to take the the two extra days uh before we we'll put this on the patreon I, I want to take the two extra days to really look into this and um, to make a decision, but I really don't know, man. I, yeah. Well, it's okay I to just, pass on yeah, the game. I yeah. just, we, we, it's gotta be talked about. I mean, it's too big of a storyline to not cover. Um, yeah. You got your two, two top quarterbacks as far as QBR goes in the nation. I think Kyler Murray was like a 96 QBR and two was like 94.5. Um, right. You know, your two Heisman favorites, it's it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, for sure. All right, so a game that's a little bit, you know, we're planning on being uh, at least a little bit more competitive. Notre Dame-Clemson. Um, Clemson, 12.5-point favorite, minus 480 on the money line, over-under is at 56.5 points. What do you like? I like Notre Dame. Uh, I'm going to buy a half point here and take Notre Dame plus 13. Um, and I th- think... Obviously, the, like the players to watch will be on Notre Dame's side. It'll be Ian Book and Dexter Williams, uh, the quarterback-running back combo. And on Clemson's side, it has to be Trevor Lawrence. But I think the X factor in this game is going to come down to the secondaries, which Clemson's secondary suddenly seems to have an issue. Um, they've been exposed multiple times this season um, against South Carolina, Obviously, in their two close games against Texas A&M and against Syracuse. Um, and on the other side, Notre Dame's secondary has been absolutely incredible. Uh, Julian Love and, you know, that defensive back crew, they give up the yards, but, man, do they, they shut down when they have to. Um, they faced Michigan, so Shea Patterson, who's a, you know, a very talented quarterback who should be coming out next year. Uh, Vanderbilt's Kyle Shermer, Stanford's KJ Costello, who's coming out next year, uh, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern. Um, they've only allowed seven touchdown passes on the season. That's like that's, I, I read that and I was like, damn, that's a that's crazy. Seven touchdowns, twelve picks, um, and two of those touchdowns came against Virginia Tech. So there hasn't been another team that's thrown for multiple touchdown passes against them. And they've only let up two touchdown passes in the last in the last six games. Um, so if you if you can shut down Trevor Lawrence and make Clemson run the ball, not that I think Notre Dame is going to win this game, but if it comes down to run game versus run game, I definitely think Dexter Williams and Ian Book will be able to keep Notre Dame in this and make it close. Uh, these two teams played in 2015. I think it was the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Clemson ended up winning twenty four twenty two. Um, I don't I don't know if it's going to be a two point game, but I definitely think Notre Dame is going to be able to keep it within thirteen. So I'm taking Notre Dame plus thirteen points here. Yeah, I was unaware of that uh, that stat concerning the secondary. That um, that that sort of changes um, 
sort of changes things for me. I wasn't, uh, I felt like I had a decent, maybe devil's advocate argument, but that, um, yeah, that, that secondary stat really is a, a double take for sure. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe it. Only seven all year. Only, they've only let up seven touchdown passes all year. Jeez, that's freaking, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wild. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Notre Dame to cover, were you sort of buying the half point to 13? Yes, sir. Okay. Notre Dame plus 13. All right. All right. Here, this is your little, this is your sweetheart game. Um, this is your consolation national championship. I'll, I'll I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll let you run free here. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, Texas in the sugar bowl. Uh, Georgia's a 13 point favorite minus five twenty on the money line over unders at 58. Yeah, I, I just I'm gonna take the over in this. Um, I'm gonna watch it. Obviously, being a Georgia fan, I'm gonna watch. Uh, we've played a lot of Texas this year, so obviously I I'm a fan of the way Texas plays. Um, I like the over here. I just I don't know. There's something about it. Um, you look at their recent games and stuff, and you'd probably think the under is gonna hit, but I just think both teams go out and just let it fly. Uh, Jake Fromm. Obviously, with Justin Fields, you know, debating a transfer, not debating a transfer, doesn't know what he's going to do. Jake Fromm's, I don't want to say playing for his job because it's his job, but he's going to prove to people, hey, this is why Justin Fields isn't playing. Um, DeAndre Swift and Evander Holyfield should run wild on Texas. I like the over, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. There's so many good games for yeah. like non non playoff bowl games, man. There's a lot to watch. You've got the Iowa State Washington State game. Um, the past two days. The only thing about bowl games is they really don't mean shit, and that was proven yesterday. <laughs> like yesterday, a rain delay. You know they had lightning, and what do they do with the first responders bowl? Cancel it. Like these right. games, they they really don't mean shit. Except to like ESPN, who's making money off them, because uh, I think they've I think they've had every single bowl game so far. I think they have the contract for like you know every bowl game under the sun. But yeah, there's there's a lot to watch. There's going to be a lot of good games. I love bowl mania. Um, it sucks the football season's coming to an end though. It really sucks. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be keeping my eyes open for for prop plays for that game. I think little Jordan Humphrey's going to catch at least two. Uh, uh, I can I can see him having a uh, going absolutely ham sandwich, uh, two maybe three touchdown performance from from a man, Lil Jordan. I don't know, but I it all depends. Um, well, no, it actually that is beneficial because uh, DeAndre Baker, who is the number one cornerback in the nation, is skipping the game. So yeah. Georgia, Georgia will be without the best corner in the nation. So, yeah, I, I mean, he'll more than likely catch one, if not two, because um, without Baker there, it, there's going to be an opening, which is another reason that I think the over is probably going to hit. There's a lot of guys, Georgia's defensive team, and there's a lot of guys that are considering sitting out, you know, because the money's in the NFL, and you don't want to go out there and tear your Achilles uh, in the last game of your college career and get screwed. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We've seen it happen far too often. Uh, I don't blame these guys for sitting out at all. Um, how long do you think it's going to be until you see football players go the route of, uh, you know, like 
basketball prospects where they sort of start getting recruited and developed early and then really just sort of put them in position as far as like specialized, uh, whatever you want to call it, training, strength and conditioning training, things like that, where you sort of have this rough package that you can plug into and sort of mold and shape you know you, you see these kids coming out of like these img academies and stuff like that for for hoops where it, it's basically just a pro factory you know where they're just taking these kids with elite level talent and giving them the basic skill sets to move them to the next level where they can be molded into a player that a team needs um you know do you think that football will ever get like that or do you have to be out there with the pads on smacking you know, making plays and stuff like that. I think, I don't know if football can get to that point because as far as game speed and the size of guys you're going against, it changes so drastically from high school to college and college to NFL. As far as basketball goes, um, I don't think it's that big of a difference. You know what I mean? There's obviously a difference between the caliber of talent in high school versus college and college versus the NBA but it's almost i think nba game speed isn't it's not as intense as college you know what i mean these kids in college college games as far as basketball goes have a a bigger sense of intensity than nba nba just seems so lackluster and it's like okay we'll just go you know go through the motions when it comes to nfl it's a contact sport it's it's a whole different ball game um like I love the people that say, you know, Alabama would beat the Cleveland Browns. It's like, no, they wouldn't. Even that Owen that Owen sixteen Cleveland team would absolutely shit on this Alabama team because it's, you know, twenty two professionals versus five professionals and, you know, seventeen communication degrees. Right. That's that's what that it's it there's no comparison. Any NFL team would murder any college team. And I think Bleacher Report did an article on it we talked about where they actually put out spreads on what it would be if uh, you know if Alabama played every single team in the NFL. And I think it was like uh, the Saints and the Patriots would be like 38.5 point or 40 point favorites against Alabama. Like it's there, – there's such, there's such a large gap as far as talent goes. Um, so I think – I think that's why it's a lot of the reason why college does, you know, you got to play three years because you got to make sure you're physically ready, you're mentally ready, and your your skill set is fully developed before you can get to the league. Um, NBA and basketball, it's like, you know, a 17-year-old kid can play in the league. We've seen it with LeBron. We've seen it with Kobe. We've seen it with Andrew Bynum. We've seen it with Kevin Garnett. I don't – there's not a 17-year-old kid in the in in America that I think can play in the NFL as far as football goes. He's not ready. His body's not ready. Yeah. I think maybe I think if it is possible or if you're going to find it in, a, in an area to be possible, it'd be somewhere along the line, whether it be O-line or D-line because you can get a guy that's absolutely, you know, uh brick shit house big and, you know, develop the agility and then work on the mental as far as um 
you know, looks and schemes and things of that nature. I, I'm with you though. I don't think I don't think we'll ever see it as far as like highly skilled positional players, you know, um, like quarterback and things like that. Maybe even wide receiver, dude. If you could get a guy that was super fast, um, you know, and and just that wasn't afraid of contact. Yeah, I don't he's got to he's got to have the. He's got to have enough field time to understand defenses and know when right. to stutter step and hit the out route and cut. The closest thing we've seen to a guy, a freshman, that looks like they could play in the league right now was when Jadavion Clowney came to South Carolina. Yeah. That's the close. That's the closest thing I've ever seen to you know an eighteen-year-old kid that's like, okay, this dude could be in the league, um, right? And I, I think those those two years at South Carolina, three years at South Carolina helped him tremendously. He got bigger. He got faster. He got, you know, smarter, more intelligent as far as uh, understanding, you know, the offensive line block schemes and when to, sh- you know, shed a block, when to use a power move. It, it's It's a lot about the field time and actually getting an understanding of what the opposite side of the ball does. So it it would be interesting. I'm sure at some point some kid's going to come along and it's going to be some kind of ridiculous like quarterback arm talent who his dad was a mathematician and his mom was a brain surgeon and his IQ's, you know, 650 million and he's going to pick apart. Eventually there's going to be somebody that comes along. Right. But as a whole, I don't think it would happen. Yeah. Plus the thing with hoops too, is if you can hoop, you can hoop. I mean, that's, it's like the universal language. If you can play basketball, you can play. Uh, you know, basketball that, takes less less intellect and more muscle memory and raw, just God given talent than football does. Football takes a lot more, um, a lot more understanding of the game than basketball does. Yeah, uh, that's just always like my, you know, my thing would be, you know, like you go to you go play outside and somebody can't play for shit outside. And then you take them inside and they can play decent inside. Are they a good basketball player? Or are they just a good inside player? Um, you know, are you, are, do you, if you can play on hard, if you can play on blacktop, you should be able to play. You should be able to play on hardwood. I would imagine uh, that was sort of always the the mentality I took. I wanted to try to be as good outside as I was inside. Um, but anyway, all right. We had a lot go on this weekend or this last week, dude. Um, leading up we got a ufc event this weekend oh um i got picks for the whole the whole main card here um there'll be more more plays as far as uh patreon goes for prelim fights but i we've decided we're going to cover the entire main card so i will uh i'll give you a matchup in in the line you tell me what you like and then I'll, i'll i'll interject my two cents um cool that yeah um yeah that's fine that works all right all right so i don't know if you're familiar with them but you got uh alex volkanovsky taking on chad mendez as the curtain jerker for the pay-per-view card volkanovsky is the plus 125 underdog mendez minus 145 favorite the over unders at two and a half rounds with the over being the favor there at minus 150 any thoughts on this fight uh, I guess Volkanovski um, has the reach advantage. 
Um, definitely the more aggressive fighter out of the two. Um, I haven't I haven't seen him fight much, and I've seen you know a good bit of Chad Mendez. Um, but when it comes to a toss up here, and as far as I'm concerned, I'll probably ride with the underdog and Volkanovski. Yeah, I definitely think I think that's the play. And here's the thing: is Volkanovski's been asking for this fight. He wants Mendez. Um, my thing with Chad Mendez, and and here's a th- is Mendez should win this fight. There's a reason why he's the favorite, but I think Mendez is. I don't. I don't think Mendez is striving to be world champion anymore. Um, he's got a very successful life outside of the cage. So I wonder how much of this is. I mean, obviously you don't want to get beat up in front of your friends and family. Um, but you know those those two losses to Aldo and then the short notice loss to McGregor. Uh, you know, zero and three in title fights. You're you're not moving up to lightweight because you're too small. Featherweight is exactly where you need to be. He's super successful outside of the cage. I just don't know if the hunger is necessary there. Now, he, when he came back after the steroid suspension, he got slept by Frankie Edgar, um, and then he beat Miles Jury recently, and that was pretty quick. I heard John Anik say. Uh, earlier that in the last three years chad mendez has five minutes of octagon time that's crazy right so i'm just not sure that this is his fight uh volkanovsky is hungry volkanovsky is probably i don't know is outside the cage life but I, i can't imagine he's as successful as mendez is um and he he realizes what's at stake, and he's after that name. He wants that that name on his belt. Mendez has the better resume uh, and has the better skill set. Like I was telling you earlier, I think Volkanovski's like a little tiny, uh, not a dollar store version, but he's definitely like the Walmart brand to the name brand of Chad Mendez. Uh, he, he's he's just a little bit cheaper of a version of Chad Mendez, but I think that the hunger is going to come into play, and I think Volkanovski might sneak out of this fight uh, with, with, with a little bit of an upset here. So Volkanovski plus 125, I think that that's the play for sure um, for that fight. So moving on, we got a uh, another fight, a guy that, you know, is a low-key fan favorite. Uh, Alir Latifi has taken on Corey Anderson, the king of terrible fight nicknames, Corey Anderson, uh, who is the plus 120 underdog for good reason. And the over-unders coming in at two and a half rounds for this one as well, with the over two and a half being favored at minus 135. Um, I'm going to go Latifi. Uh, Corey Anderson, the only thing that makes him reasonable to bet is his wrestling ability. And he's going to be trying to wrestle the closest thing I've ever seen to a human that's shaped like a cube. He's um, unbelievable. <laughs> he's unbelievable, man. So, and I think you know, and, and Latifi hits real damn hard. Yeah, and I think stylistically, that's going to be tough for Corey Anderson. Um, was it Tyson Pedro that Latifi just absolutely ragdolled and tossed yes. around like it was nobody's yes. business? Okay, yes. and he beat OSP, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and didn't. Corey Anderson lose the Glover to Shara. 
and OSP. So by MMA yeah. math, MMA math, Latifi wins by first round knockout. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Latifi <laughs> by knockout is coming in at plus one twenty five. Um, you know the. I'll put it this way: if you just want to go, will the fight go the distance and disregard the the two and a half? Um, they've got it as as a pick'em as to whether or not the fight goes the distance. So there's a good chance that Corey Anderson gets slept in this fight. Um, Latifi beat OS, OSP and um, OSP kicked Corey Anderson to sleep. So eh, um, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with Anderson's wrestling being, being the X factor, how well he's able to execute. I just don't think he's going to be able to execute. Latifi always seems like he's one fight away from having a big, like number one contender fight. And with the state of the light heavyweight division being what it is right now, I think there's no better time um, on a card like this that's going to be showcased by light heavyweights to go out there and absolutely smack the taste out of Corey Anderson's mouth. Um, you know, like you said, he hits real damn hard. Could you imagine going out there and knocking Corey Anderson into a semi-vegetative state and then calling out the winner of the Gustafson-Jones fight? It'd be real hard to not give that some credence or at least let it you know uh catapult you to a number one contender fight uh you know obviously you you've got uh guys like anthony smith waiting in the wings but you know if you're alir latifi you're chomping at the bit to get at Corey anderson on, on saturday night i think i think just the play on latifi even though he's minus 140 i think the play on latifi just winning the fight is, is the right play there but would uh, that would wouldn't that be the craziest thing to see Latifi and John Jones, you know, across the octagon from each other? Oh, that's like that's... John Jones was what, like a like seven seven inches taller, probably a ten or eleven inch reach advantage. Like... Yeah, yeah, for sure. It really, <laughs> it'd be like, I mean, it'd be like watching the original UFCs. Yeah, that's really what it would look like. It would look like two guys, and you look at them, you don't understand. It'd be hard to justify to an outsider that, that they're the same species of human. Um. All right. Next fight, we got Michael Chiesa and uh, Carlos Condit. So Chiesa's making the move up from lightweight, and I would imagine he's going to stay at welterweight now. Um, he was a massive lightweight, but Chiesa's coming up. He's fighting Carlos Condit, uh, and Condit's currently on a four-fight losing streak. Chiesa's the minus-170 favorite. Coming back, Condit's plus-145 over under two-and-a-half rounds as a pick em. Has Kiesa fought since Anthony Pettis? No, because of the the um the oh my gosh, help me here with the bus McGregor. I don't yes, know if anything's okay. happened since then. Okay, I'd have to um, I'd have to look, but I don't think so. No, I th I think that was his last fight. I think so. Um, I think we're on the same page here. I, I picked against Kiesa last time when he fought Anthony Pettis and I think I'm going to pick against him here. I'm going to go with Carlos Condit. Um, I, I want Condit to win this fight. I really yeah. do. Um, I, I really want him to win. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. So Kiesa has not fought since the Pettis fight. Uh, so he's on a two fight streak of his own uh, losing streak and Condit you know, like, like I said, is on a, on a four fight losing streak. Here's the thing about Carlos Condit is the, 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 
the cat's out of the bag on how to beat him, and that's to that's to pressure him and wrestle the shit out of him. Um, so I guess the X factor becomes how good does Michael Chiesa look at 170 when he doesn't have that massive weight cut to 155? Um, you, you know, everybody knows he's very adept at taking the back. He's very good at slipping in that rear naked choke. Can, you know, can Condit avoid that? Because Condit is like another one of my favorite fighters, Cub Swanson, where he will tap to a choke almost immediately. Um, you know, he also hasn't won a fight since 2015. So uh, I'm just on the fence, uh, you know, with how solidly I believe in Carlos Condit winning this fight. However, I think Kiesa is the matchup that he needs to get back in the win column. Um, cause it's a guy coming up from 155. So he's not all the, all the things that he enjoyed at 155, being the bigger guy, being the stronger guy are not going to translate in the 170 pound, 170 pound weight class because Condit's coming down from, I'm sure, you know, when he's not in training camp from the upper one nineties, 200 coming down to 170, at, you know, at, at peak performance time, I think Condit's going to get back on the winning track here. I think he's going to do it. Uh, I don't necessarily know he's going to get Kiesa out of there, but I think he's going to do enough to win. If we know anything, Carlos Condit can point fight the crap out of somebody, and I think he'll I think he'll be able to do that here. So that's what I think for that fight. Um, all right, co-main event, dude. This is a I don't know how I feel about this. You're 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 going to hear my mind work its way out while we're talking about this. Amanda Nunes talking or taking on. Cyborg, uh, Nunez is a plus 200 underdog cyborg coming in at a minus 250, which is the, 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 this is the most even, and I use that term loosely. I've ever seen a cyborg fight, uh, you know, come across a betting line and the over under is at two and a half rounds, um, under two and a half coming in at minus 160. That's, that's crazy for, for a chick fight. That's, I feel like uh, that's I feel like that's a good that's a good bargain right there. Yeah, but over two and a half at one thirty five plus one thirty five. Yeah, I I also feel like we're looking at two world class talents, and I feel like this might steal the show as far as you know the the title fights as this being a better fight than John Jones and Gus. Um. It's so hard to pick against Cyborg. Uh, she's done nothing but give you a reason to pick her every single time. You know what I mean? It's just, has there been, you know, an easier favorite to bet in the UFC in the past 10 years? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, what? what is she? But Amanda Nunes, and I know a couple months ago, I was – when when they first put out the lines for the Joanna and Shevchenko fight and the Cyborg Nunes fight, I said, "Man, I said, you know, Nunes coming in at a plus. I think it was a plus two fifty at the time. Those are good odds on you know quite the talent." And then, uh, what a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the best women fighters in the world, and I made the case for Amanda Nunes. But now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I can't, I can't pick against Cyborg. I can't. Yeah, it's. It's you know the thing with Cyborg is it turns into this you have to pick you have to pick her until proven otherwise 
Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that there's anything that's popping out to me that says Amanda Nunes is about to shock the world. Um, I felt that way with the Henry Cejudo Mighty Mouse fight. Um, I don't feel that way about this fight. Do I think Amanda Nunes can win this fight? Yes. Um, I, I made the argument with you earlier. I'll make the argument again now is I think Nunes has faced better competitions than Cyborg has and has found success against better competition than Cyborg has. The thing is with with Cyborg is, though, is the reason why she hasn't faced upper-level competition is you cannot find women brave enough to face her. Um, Amanda Nunes is the first one that's actually shown up and is willing to do it. And the thing with Cyborg and, and even Amanda Nunes, respectively, is that both of these women know that whoever wins this fight will be catapulted into the freaking stratosphere as far as the UFC hype machine goes. So whoever, you know, I don't know what their paydays are for this fight, but for whoever wins this fight stands to be the face of women's MMA in the UFC moving forward till kingdom come. How do you not? How do you not? Um, if you're Nunez, you know, the stakes are ultimately, you know, at a different level of height because she's already a champ. Um, so, you know, the first women's double champ, only women's double champ. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. You know, legacy is on the line here between both of these women. And I, I think that, you know, that fact is not lost on either one of them. But like you said, how do you not pick Cyborg? I don't know how you don't pick her. Um, You know, you could go for the shock. Amanda Nunes may shock the world. I just don't see it happening. I like the, I like the, um, so is it is it Cyborg's belt on the line here? Yes. Okay. All right. So Nunez is coming up from Bantam to Featherweight? Yes. Okay. I I couldn't remember if they were fighting at like a catchweight for a super fight or I I didn't expect Cyborg to come down to what 135. Yeah, I don't think she um, can. I just don't, I don't think that. No. I mean, she's absolutely sh- a shredded monster at you know, probably 160. She weighs in at 145, but she's yeah, I don't. I don't think she can get down to one thirty-five. I don't think it's physically possible for her. No. Yeah, I. I think Cyborg. I, I think Cyborg in the third round. I'm not. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, my, you know, the play is Cyborg. I like Cyborg in the third round. Um. You know, one of the things about here. Here's the thing about this fight, dude, is that it could be one where they come out and they just go ham sandwich right from the jump and it's over in the first round or they could both come out and both ladies sort of um, fail to get things kick-started because of everything that's on the line and the fight becomes a just a dragging doldrum of you know feeling out jabs and, and inside leg kicks and clinch work up against the fence and stuff like that so if that comes into play, who does that favor if that's the way the fight goes? Um, you know, Obviously, I think Nunez needs to come out and try to snuff Cyborg out immediately to have any chance. I don't think she wins this fight in rounds four and five. Um, my, I, I'm, I guess my personal play is I'm taking Cyborg in round three, just thinking on Nunez coming out and being tough to put away in round one. 
squeaking her way through round two and then cyborg finishing her off in round three so that's that's my personal play is cyborg in round three but i think cyborg just you know for the fight itself any thoughts on method of victory or win or anything like that no i just like i said like i mean you touched on it they they could come out guns blazing this could end quick or i think that this fight has a potential to go the distance and if it's a close one, man, I mean, you, like you said, the winner's going to get just catapulted into you know a different world. If it's a close one, I think both of them are on that catapult, and they both just get shot up. So well, it's going to be interesting. Be ideal. Yeah. Right. And it would All be right. different because it'd be actually like, you know, it wouldn't be like a Ronda Rousey where it's, you know, the very beginning of – women in the UFC and she's fighting a bunch of scrubs. It's two chicks that have proven themselves and, right. you know, you could actually get behind that and cheer for them. Yeah. So. You're catching two peak predators at, at the top of their performance. Whereas Rousey was just like the first kid to hit puberty at school is all that was. She just developed faster than everybody else. But once everybody caught up, it wasn't even remotely close. All right. Right. John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. Uh, I'll give you the line. I'm just I I'm I'm still mad about this. All right, Gus is coming in plus two thirty underdog. Uh, Jones is coming in at minus two eighty over under is at four and a half rounds, and that's at a pick 'em. I go ahead. <laughs> I, I like Bones. I like Bones, and I like it to go to the distance. Probably John Jones by unanimous decision. Um, I hope it's half the fight that their first fight was. That, that's all I can really hope for, man. Um, what a brawl it was. Both guys ended up in the hospital afterwards. Um, but I, I said it, you know, I, I understand you're going to touch on the current, you know, circumstance of moving from Vegas to California and USADA and all of that. But as far as just the fight goes, John Jones will be the double champ in the next 12 months. He's going to win this and then he's going to beat DC. And he's going to be the double champ. Um, that, yeah, Bones Jones for the win. Well, one thing that, uh, you know. Oh, man. I hate cheaters, dude. I really do. But um, so here's, my, here's my thing. I, I This is a serious question. I'm not, like, making a case for him. No. It. If if I understand correctly, it's still in his system from the last time, correct? That's his that's his case he's making. That's the case that Novitsky's making, yes. Okay, right. And now Novitsky's doing that for the sake of the UFC. Is that you is that your beliefs as far as pre- trying to protect one of their money makers and make correct. that case? Because he's now he's now like, you know, basically UFC brass, right? He's in the UFC building. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, your personal opinion, do you think that it's still in his system from last time? Or do you think I, you know, he, you know, he was doping again? From an education standpoint, I am I'm not qualified to say whether or not that's how it works. Um Okay. Dana White is showing or saying that John Jones has been drug tested 8 times in the last 6 months and it has never shown up. And now it's showing up. He says that as if as if that confirms their argument. I think it weakens it. Um, I think that John Jones um, and I think everybody 
in their life has a guy like this that just can't get out of their own fucking way. And John Jones can't get out of his own way. Um, I don't think he's, a, I, I just, I hate to attack a guy, but I don't think he's a good person. Um, do I think he's talented? Sure. But I just don't think he can get out of his own way. I think he's too morally and ethically corrupt to get out of his own way. Um, does he have the, you know, can you, does he have all the skills to be the best to ever do it? For sure. But could you, you can you make an argument that he, that he was? I don't see how people can. I know people say it, but I don't see how you can. You got caught cheating twice. Like it so doesn't. Uh, I don't know how question. you make the argument. Go ahead. Okay, so say he he wins this fight against Gus, and he keeps you know taking the drug tests, and he fights DC, and he beats DC, and he comes back clean. Then what? Well, here's the thing, though, is that how do you how do you not just do the just keep using the same drug that you're using? this tur turn turbinol or whatever, right? Just right. keep using it. And then if it does show up and say you cycle, whatever, say you do a two month cycle or two week cycle or whatever the case may be cycle on cycle off. And every time you get popped or get air quote caught, Oh, it's pulsing again. Right. I mean, eventually it has to leave the system, right? Or is well, it just would, like, is it just like dormant and it lives in there like herpes forever? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand. I've never heard of this. I've I, I, right. in, Okay. Think about it like this. Of all the athletes that have ever existed in the history of competitive sports where steroids have been an issue, have you ever heard anybody combat with the term pulsing before? No, no, I haven't. Right. So have you ever, uh, you know, seen the UFC give credence or leeway to a cockamamie story like this? Ever. No. Anytime that anybody has had a piss sample come back for anything whatsoever, they immediately pull the fighter. There's not even there's not even an attempt to say it's this pulsing effect. Like, how did they arrive at John Jones taking the test, the results of the test coming back, and then it, them determining it's a pulsing thing? Whereas... Mark Hunt's argument with Brock Lesnar during the UFC 200 fight was you tested Brock Lesnar and didn't even get his results back until after we fought. So how on earth do you expect anybody to believe this? It doesn't make any... John Jones got caught cheating again. Again. And, you know, they're like, oh, well... It's a metabolite that's so small, it's physically impossible to ingest that amount. Okay, cool. But if John Jones ended his roid cycle three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and then you tested him now, how much of it is left in his system? Could it be a metabolite amount that's not that's small enough that you can't actually physically ingest that? Like, I can take Tylenol now, and in three days, you test my blood, and there will be trace amounts of the Tylenol in my blood. And you'll say, well, it's it's too small of an amount for you to physically take. But it wasn't when I took it three days ago. You see what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. I'm not medically qualified. Like, I'm not a, obviously not a fucking doctor. I don't know. I don't know. But if you're a cheater, if, if you cheat in combat sports or any sports one time, 
you're more likely to, to do it again. You, you can't name a fighter. I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain. Name a fighter that's been caught for steroids once. Yeah. They always get caught again. <clears throat> they, yeah. Paul Horace, uh, Josh Barnett, Frank Mir, um, you know, John Jones, Brock Lesnar, Fabricio Verdum, um, Crow Cop, Gabriel Gonzaga. You know, if they get caught once, they get caught again. They can't get out of their own way. So either all those other guys got caught with pulsing like John Jones, or they were all using steroids twice. Now, this being the third time, it's walked like a duck. It's talked like a duck. Now you're popping for a third time. You're a duck, bro. John Jones is a cheater. He's an absolute cheater, but he's a cheater that's going to win this fight. Alexander Gustafson thinks that he has John Jones' number. He's going to try to run and point fight the shit out of him. He keeps saying he's going to finish John Jones. He's not going to finish John Jones. If he tries to, he's going to get finished. Um, Alexander Gustafson has developed a strategy the last two or three fights where he run like physically will run away um, in a fight. He will engage, and then when he's in a compromising situation, he will literally run like a half lap around the cage and then reset. Um, you know, all the physical advantages that John Jones usually enjoys in fights will not be a factor fighting Alexander Gustafson, but I just don't think Gus has it in him to win this fight. Plus, he's, he's going up against the genetically modified, uh, you know, creature here. And I, th- I think John Jones is going to win this fight. Guys that use steroids and, and, and guys and girls that, 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 um, that miss weight win at just a, such an alarming rate. It's impossible to go against. Uh, and I think John Jones gets, gets the W here. So, uh, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, if I didn't mention cyborg's name, talking about steroids as well, you know, <laughs> obviously, obviously, um, roided to the gills, uh, maybe not now, but for most of her career was absolutely roided out of her mind. So, um, all the same, I think John Jones wins the fight. I'm not going to be happy that he wins, and I will I will scream for joy if he loses. But from a betting perspective, it makes no sense to bet on Alexander Gustafson for this fight. And a, and a play for Gustafson, unless you know something that I don't, would be merely just a, you know, uh, a, a play with your heart, not your head. Your head says, you know, with the exception, with the exception of the the Matt Hamill fight, which they they you know gave John Jones as a loss. For those elbows, John Jones has never lost the fight. This would be 18 fight win streak in the in the UFC. Nobody's ever had an 18 fight win streak. He's looking to make it 19. So what do you do here? You know what I mean? You, how do you not go go with John Jones? You have to. And then the fact that you know that he's been doped out of his gills for the last three years. Why not go with it? Go with it. So John Jones begrudgingly, but John Jones nonetheless. Unless you got something else. Hey, if you guys can't tell, he's not a huge fan of John Jones. Um, <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. If that wasn't entertaining enough for you, uh, as I was listening to him talk, I you know got on John Jones' Twitter, and man, is his Twitter good. Uh, the just the beef between him and DC, man, just the back and forth. John Jones saying he'll pay DC or he'll give 150 grand to the charity of DC's choice if he fights him. And DC told him to keep the hundred and fifty grand that he'll donate it. John Jones just has to pay for drug testing before they fight. Uh, John Jones saying that uh, Daddy's back and his little girl ran away. 
because she's afraid to get beat. He's these two are wild, man. Uh, it's hilarious. I can't wait until they fight again after John Jones beats Gustafson. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know what I like? This is what I like. I like the fact that Cain Velasquez is coming back and he's fighting Francis Ngannou. Yeah, how like about that being on ESPN? Right. I like the fact that this Brock Lesnar DC fight is probably not going to happen. So here's what I like. I like John Jones to go in there and absolutely shit pump Alexander Gustafson. And then I like Velasquez to come back and return to form and, and throttle Ngannou. They make DC wants to be retired by the end of March. End of March, they have DC fight Jones for the heavyweight belt. Jones beats DC. Kane Velasquez comes in July 4th card in Big Brothers, the shit out of John Jones. John Jones versus Kane Velasquez, middle of July. Fantastic fight of the freaking millennia. Yeah, I was going to say that's, like. that's the. I mean. That'd be the super fight of all super fights. That's the, there's the no, GSP there's no Anderson fight Silva that make. never happened. You know what I mean? There's yeah, that, there's no bigger huge. fight that you could make. Yeah. Yeah. Velasquez versus that, John Jones at heavyweight. Speaking of GSP, not to you know give credit to another podcast, but did you listen to his interview? No. Who do you, who was he on with? PMT. Oh no, no, I didn't. D- dude. GSP, that dude's hilarious. Uh, really? His, oh my, yes, yes, yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, I, actually, I him. To ask you about it. Yes, it was him, hundred percent. Right. He's talking about a kid that beat his ass in high school, and how he saw him on the street homeless, like fifteen years later, and the guy trembled because GSP, you know, talking in his accent was because he knows I beat his ass now, and it was just, it was funny, it was good stuff. But I'll have to go back and listen to it. I, I skipped over it. Um, so a lot of times with like with those guys, they 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 know they know a lot about a lot of things, but they have, they know absolutely nothing about fighting. So to hear them talk to a fighter about anything is um sort of like when did you get how did you get punched in the face? You know, the first time that made right. you like it, and all it's all it's very just weird. Uh, now this one, this one was good. Um, for the so they basically let him run the interview. Uh, nice, and it was more. It was it was very serious. I mean, they asked a couple goofy questions, but it was very serious. And they let GSP just they asked very broad questions and let him run with it and explain stuff. So it was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right, guys. Well, there's no point in dragging it out any longer than this. You guys have already been here for an hour now. Appreciate you guys. Uh, really glad to be back. And, um, you know, just thankful for you guys sticking with us and we appreciate, uh, all the support. Hopefully everybody had a good holiday season and, uh, looking forward to new year's and probably won't, you know, won't talk to you guys till after the new year. So be safe new year's. And, uh, if you're going to have a drink, even one, get a driver, get somebody to drive for you. Uh, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for you. And it's not worth it for somebody that you might, uh, be, uh, irresponsible enough to to be involved with a, in a crash with or something to that effect. So it's not just about you. It's about the other people on the road too. So do the right thing. Do the responsible thing. Call Uber, call Lyft, call a friend, call, call anybody. Hell, if you're in the greater Charleston area, call me and I'll come pick you up so that way nobody's driving drunk. I'll see you guys after the new year if I don't talk to you on social media bef- between now and then. And uh, be on the lookout this weekend on, on Instagram. We're going to announce the giveaway uh, winner. But that's it for me, guys. We'll talk to you later.
Yeah, guys, enjoy Bowl Mania. Enjoy Week 17. Um, big UFC card. A lot going on. We'll talk to you next week. And I'll get back to it, as always. Clear eyes, full fist. Can't lose.